Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to Allenby Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, we talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry to find out how they're succeeding. Today on the show, I have Chris, I got to say this properly. Chris, hopefully I'd get this correct. Chris Kapeng Rehan. He goes by Cappy. That's much easier for me to say. Chris is from Filipino descent. Previously was a financial advisor before becoming a mortgage agent. He took our 10 Steps 10 Million program, which we no longer exist. I'll touch on that more in a moment. Got licensed in April 2020, 2 million that first year, 8.5 million last year in his full year. This year he's on track to surpass that. And a couple of quick things about my conversation with Cappy. First, why not having a plan for your client conversation will cost you? We dive into that. We talk about what worked and what didn't when it comes to marketing. He shares his experience putting his face, his branding on golf scorecards. And we talk about how to capture as many leads from your family and friends as possible. So at the end, I asked him sort of like, what's your biggest challenge? And he said, you know, I think some of my family, not everybody in my network knows what I do as well as I'd like them to know. And so I give him three different things that he can do and you as well could do to really tap into your network and get the most opportunity from it possible. When we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection and submission platform, very easy to use. It's built for mortgage brokers. And so it's got a couple of cool things. First, it's got smart docs. So when the client's filling out the app, it's figuring out what documents they need. It's got smart submission notes. So when you go to hit submit, it knows what key data that needs to be pulled out of the application to put into the submission. And it's got connection to lender spotlight. So you can search all the rates, all the guidelines. And even when you go to hit submit to the lender, it'll pull up and say, hey, by the way, let you know when you're sending it to this lender, are you aware of these policies? It's pretty freaking slick. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo. Book a free demo. They'll give you a tour. I think you're going to love it. Check it out and check out this conversation with Cappy. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Hey, so uh, tell me a little bit about your business and where you're from. My background is Filipino, but I'm the only one in my family that was actually born and raised here in London, Ontario. My business is primarily London, but I've, you know, been able to help people all across Canada. So it's been awesome. Yeah. And so how did you get into the mortgage business? Funny enough, I was a financial advisor prior to becoming a mortgage agent. And my broker, Jason Armstrong, approached me two times to become a mortgage agent. The first time was when I transitioned to an independent financial advising firm. And I just started it. And I was like, ah, you know, I just started this. I want to see how this turns out. And the second one was a point in time when I was thinking about making a change. So timing was everything. And I was deciding between going back to a big bank or doing mortgages. And Jason convinced me. Best okay, decision so I made. It was made Jason's fault. <laughs> yeah. I love Jason's an awesome dude. I love that guy. So you were a financial advisor at a big bank, and then you went to an independent shop. What about that helped you in your mortgage business, do you think? So when I was a part of that independent financial advising firm, a lot of my high net worth clients built their wealth through real estate. So I was doing a lot of advising through mortgages and different transactions that way, doing a lot of referrals to mortgage agents. So, you know, I thought it just made a seamless transition, just kind of specialized on that mortgage aspect. Right. That makes sense. And so what surprised you most about being a mortgage broker versus, you know, being a financial advisor? So as a financial advisor, a lot of people don't think they need your help. Where as a mortgage broker or agent, you can't get a mortgage without one of us or obviously going to the bank. But the effort that I had to make to get a mortgage as opposed to a financial advisor client is much easier. That was a surprise for me. Yeah. One of my friends, Peter Matheny, who's a mortgage architects guy, he says he used to be a financial advisor and he preferred to give people money than ask them to take their money. Because as a financial <laughs> advisor, give me your money, I'm going to invest it. Now it's like, yeah, hey, here's a bunch of money, buy a house or refi. And so he found that just 
psychological is better. So did you start full-time, part-time? So what was your transition? I jumped in with two feet. I was already uh, transitioning out and wanting to do something different. You know, I just, I did it. Took a little bit to catch being a mortgage agent. You have that snowball, right? You do the activity and then the rest comes later. So a little bit of delayed gratification, but yeah, jumped in with two feet. Okay. So you started, you told me before you got licensed in April, 2020. And so what did you do for mortgages in that first year? Not your first year, the first like six, seven months, whatever it was. The first thing was kind of just trying to let everybody know who I was and what I was doing. My warm market was the biggest thing for me and just reaching out to everybody and anybody I knew at that time. And that's how I got a few of my deals. Right. Okay. Was there any point you questioned whether or not this was the right call? Like where you're like, oh my gosh, this is... Yeah. So maybe once or twice a week that happens, right? So if you're a mortgage agent and uh, you're not questioning it, you're not doing enough tough files. I think it's a question that I've asked myself several times, but for me, you know, it's the alternative. Like being a mortgage agent and being in charge of my own business is far better than working for somebody else. Right. And you have five kids now. Congrats. On so <laughs> thank like, you. You want some flexibility that you're not having to be like, hey, be in the office from this time to that time or whatever. So exactly. Like, being a mortgage agent. I always say broker. I know in Ontario, it's technically an agent, whatever people understand. But yeah, they basically there is a, some flexibility to it. So, hey, so one of the things I love to ask new brokers about is a file that they hadn't lost. But now with their additional experience, they look back and go, I know how to handle that. And I would do you know X, Y, and Z, because I think it's a good lesson for other people. So can you share a file that you believe now you'd handle differently? Yeah, it was actually one of my first referral from a realtor client. And I was brand new. It was like my first month as an agent. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So they were kind of going between myself and their bank. I had no clue on, you know, really what the difference was between myself and the bank and how I could provide that value. So now like I know exactly what my value is compared to someone going to the bank. And it would have been an easier conversation between myself and that client to be able to keep them. Okay. So my follow-up question to that is basically it was more to do with that client conversion conversation, like having them convinced that you were their guy. And so did they end up going with the other institution? They did. They did. Okay. So I'm just curious because I think to make this helpful, if I was that client today, like what would you say? You don't have to do the whole conversation. How would you frame that out? Honestly, it would have been a conversation about the three P's and RBC, the training that we went through, um, yeah. you know, just talking about not just the rate, the payment and the lender. It's more about those six features that are going to save you a ton of money down the road. Right, right. And have you used that conversation in your... Every single client that I talk to, I talk about the three P's and RBC. Definitely. Right. Like from the get-go. And how do they take that? They're surprised because when they do talk to the bank, the banks don't talk about anything other than rate. That's all um, they talk about. Yeah. And so, you know, it's my scorecard versus their scorecard. You know, I'm just in it to make sure that you're maximizing your mortgage and making sure that you're going to save time money down the road and either by paying it off quicker or by leveraging. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. And there's two distinct skills you need to have to be successful mortgage broker, mortgage agent. Sales and underwriting, which was harder for you? Definitely the underwriting. I've been in sales pretty much all my professional careers. What did you do before um, mortgages? Oh, you're a financial advisor, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, like I've been in financial services since 2005. So selling wasn't huge, but the underwriting process is huge, right? Just understanding everything that a lender is going to be looking for. Obviously, I'm still learning now. You learn something new every day, but that underwriting piece is definitely the biggest struggle. Right. Okay. So 2020 was your first full year. So how did you do for that year? Do you mind sharing? Because I think you had said to me before you did 2 million in that first getting your feet under you in that first kind of half a year. How was the second year? 
Second year was great. I put down about uh, eight, eight and a half million in sales. So it really boosted what I needed to do is more money than I made as an FA at that point in time. So I was happy with right, that. Yeah, because even at the bank, usually the pay is not super. I mean, you could be making the bank a ton of money and they pay you a little bit of money. Here you go. You know, have you ever looked up the net profit per employee of some of these banks? No, it's, I haven't. It's but pretty it's fascinating. It's like yeah. 200 and you know, 50,000, 300, 400,000, I mean, between 200 to $400,000 net profit per employee. Oh, yeah. It's like, staggering what the employees make for the bank, but then what the know. bank makes. But you know, <laughs> so you know, it is at Netflix. So I always find what revenue per employee is interesting because people always, you know, brag about body count. Oh, we got this many employees. Well, yeah, that's a lot of overhead. But Netflix is 2.1 million per employee. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Like, they make the banks look like so it's a <laughs> now they're spending money like you know a drunken sailor on leave nothing against sailors or people who like to drink <laughs> but in any case it's interesting so okay i got distracted my add kicked in so the eight million where did the business come from i'd love you to share one thing that really worked for you and one thing that didn't because i think again i'd love people to hear what something that worked one thing that didn't i think what really kind of launched my business and I, you know obviously we're on your show and stuff but it was the um 10 loans to uh, 10 million. 10 million. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That really kind of brought me to where I needed to be. So I think that w- what launched it. The second part was just the activity that was promoted within that program. The game of phones was something that here you guys still do that as a group. Where you like We do yeah. every Tuesday we do. And I think it's very important because focusing on the activity rather than the outcome at the end is going to boost your business and kind of keep you sane. But that was one of the things, uh, one of the things that didn't really work for me was just the marketing that I was doing. So I spent a little bit in terms of, you know, putting my face on a golf scorecard that didn't really return anything, but now where I focus my marketing is I think about the dollar cost and how does that transition into a mortgage? So if I'm spending like three grand and I get, you know, at least one mortgage, well, then it's going to be worth it. Right. Right. So have you done any other kind of paid marketing? So the golf scorecard didn't work, but is there anything else that you've tried that has worked? That has not worked. That has worked. Oh, that has worked. Nothing in terms of like, other than the training programs that you provide, those are the things that have worked awesome for me. The realtor, preferred realtor program, I'm finding a lot of success with being able to chat with realtors and provide that value that I can yep. provide. That's been huge to uplift my business as well. One of the things you'd mentioned to me before we started recording was that you found some success from being in a networking group. So tell me mm-hmm. about that. What type of networking group is it? Is it a structured one, unstructured? Because I think as a new agent, if you can get into one, a good one can literally be a huge benefit for your business. Yeah, no, great question. Like networking was a big part of my marketing. I had been part of a couple of ones that weren't that great. They were more social events. I was lucky enough to be part of a BNI networking group. And the biggest difference that I find with BNI is their accountability. So they actually track your performance and, you know, how many referrals you're giving, you know, how many times you're meeting with the other members of the chapter. So it's very accountability held group. And when you come to a networker group, that's what it's about. You want to be able to build your business and, and that's how you do it. And so if you look at your business that you've done, so how much of your business do you think has come from your BNI chapter? Um, from my BNI chapter, it's probably about 50% of my revenue has come from my BNI chapter. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're new under two years, you should do everything you can to get into a BNI group. I'm telling you, it's the structure of how they generate referrals and how they make it slightly competitive. Cause you're like, Hey, I don't want to be the person every week showing up and not doing anything. And so it creates way more opportunities. And so 
And if you're not, if there's one, start one. Like, I mean, it's a lot more work to start one, but honestly, you'll get to know everybody. And there's may come a stage in your business, but I've found that people will go into a BNI, they'll be in it for three, four, five years, and then their business will get so busy that they're like, it's not as necessary, but certainly for the first, you know, three, four years. And if you enjoy it, keep it up. But I think it's a brilliant way to grow your business. Okay, so you went through the 10 steps, 10 million program, which doesn't exist anymore. We sort of morphed it into our rookie to rock star. But what was your biggest takeaway from that? Can I give you two? Okay. No, yeah, we have the yeah, sure, it's fine. <laughs> two, one is the preferred realtor program. Obviously with our business, we deal a lot with realtors and it gives you a good way to provide that value. The second thing is game of phones. Like we were chatting before. We still do that with our team. It just holds you accountable to do the activity. Yeah, I think a game of phones is absolutely awesome. Okay, so I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions. You can answer with shorter answers. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? One thing that people can't find about me and Google, well, we've talked about it a little bit now, but uh, I just recently had twins three weeks ago. Right. You didn't put that on your social media and be like, look at me, I got two kids. Are boys or girls? <laughs> uh, one boy, one girl. Okay. Yeah. And what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? The Big Short. Love okay, that movie. movie. And what's three software programs or digital tools you can run your business without? Django, Zoom, Adobe. Right. Those are really one-word answers. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker, new agent? Focus on the activity, not the outcome. That's so true. And that, you know, Dustin Carlson is very big on that, right? He's the guy who runs the cable yep. phones. And so he can get five leads, but if he doesn't get the number of calls he wants, he's still slightly annoyed. Because he's not even, he knows that it's like, I need to hit my reps of calls. If I didn't make my 150 or 200 calls today, it's kind of funny. I see he's kind of irritated. I'm like, (laughs) most people aren't like that, but that's why he's so successful. All right. Before we started, I'd ask you about like, what's your biggest challenges? And you said that just getting yourself known, especially to your family. And so tell me what you did. And then we can talk about some, I can give you some ideas on like, you know, maybe what you could try. So what did you do to let people know what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing was getting on my social media and just kind of announcing, you know, I'm making this transition from a financial advisor to mortgage agent. I just need to, whether it be to keep reminding people that I am a mortgage agent or you can, you know, contact them individually. As we were talking at the beginning, I had two family members that went to a different mortgage agent and she's amazing. And we've had a lot of conversations, but and I'm glad that she's taking care of my family, but you know, I want to make sure that uh, my friends and family come to me first. Because they know you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So most people don't know this is that on social media, the number of people that see your post is extremely low. So mm-hmm. if it's on a page, you know, they say between two to 5% of your audience will see it. So if you send an email out to a thousand people, if you have a thousand people following your page, which most people don't, you're going to get a very small number on your personal page. It's also not fantastic. And if you look in Facebook, you scroll through the feed, one in every four posts is actually sponsored. So like it's literally 25% ads and they prioritize content that gets a ton of engagement. So if it gets lots of engagement, more people will see it. If you throw it out there and only a few people engage, hey, congrats on your new job. You know, maybe your mom says something and, <laughs> and your wife and then nobody else sees it. Facebook's like, this is not engaging enough. Don't show it to more people, but that's okay. So what I would recommend is I think you're on the right track. First thing I would do is I would reach out to them individually and just let them know, hey, let you know, I don't know if you know this or not, just probably put out say scripting wise and say, hey, first of all, just call how they're doing. You probably have a pretty good sized family. I would reach out to everybody, check in. How are you doing? How are things? Hey, just want to let you know that the mortgage business is going amazing. I don't know if you knew it or not, but I got into the mortgage business a year and a half ago. It's been best thing for my family ever. Just wanted to let you know that if you need anything, have any even to have questions, I'm here to help. I'd be happy to help look at your situation for you. And if you do that one-to-one, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Awesome. Cool, man. That would be the first thing. That could be something you do in Game of Phones is just call family. And I tell people when you're trying to think of who to call, just be like, if you were to get married again, 
who would you invite to your wedding? You should phone all those people. Like everybody who would come to your wedding would probably take a phone call from you and have a conversation. So, and then the second thing is, is we talked about, you probably know about the VIP club or some version of that. So the VIP mm-hmm. club is, so you can go check, I don't even know where the website is. We can put in the check the link, but it was a service that I created and then sold to Ryan Wiley. And it's basically contest marketing to your database on a monthly basis. So why do you want to send contests when you're a mortgage broker? Because frankly, mortgage news for most people is pretty freaking boring. And so you could either do your own for, you don't have to use that service, but you can either do it yep. yourself. But if you put them on a news, call it your VIP club, call it Cappy's, you know, whatever, and then make it engaging because truthfully, people don't really want to get, you know, mortgage news unless they're really <laughs> nerdy. They don't want that stuff very often. And yeah. so that would be some kind of campaign because the purpose of the VIP club is just so that they look at it and go, oh yeah, okay, cool. Con- right. Cappy's a mortgage guy. He's a mortgage guy. He's a mortgage. So that's all you're telling them, right? So yeah. that would be the second thing that I would do is some kind of a consistent rhythm, whether it's VIP club or your own version of it, that would be a useful thing to do. And you could, the way other people have done VIP club is just focus on some local businesses. So if mm-hmm. you want to make it London based, you could be like, Hey, I'll go talk to a local business. Hey, I would love to buy a gift card to promote you to my list, get to know the business owner. This is a good thing. There's a benefit to that. The business, Oh, you're a pretty cool guy. I'm going to buy a gift card. I'm going to promote you on my socials as well as my email to my list. So now you're building your network and you're serving the people that already know you and you can put some mortgage stuff in there if you want, but you lead with the contest, not with the mortgage news. Cause most people don't look at it. Like, yeah. you know, I think that will be as what I would recommend, you know, but you're on the right track. I think you were already starting to go down this path, but just pick up the phone and, you know, message them and have a conversation. If you look at the stats, you know, if you have a hundred people in your database and the average Canadian mortgage is like, you know, a five-year term, that means that 20 of them, need to do something with their mortgage if they have homeowners in that year. Dustin, he told me that something like, I can't remember the number, 18 to 30% of people will do something with their mortgage on an annual basis. So it was like 18%. So if you have 20% of Canadians that have mortgages that are probably renewing, plus you have 18% of people that are in that 100 list, there's people that are doing something just not now. Some of them don't even know they're doing something. Some of them are going to sell. Some of them are going to get separated. Some of them are going to buy another place. Some of them are going to decide to do a reno. They're going to wake up one morning and go, I want to fix my kitchen. But the point is, is that there's going to be something done with that mortgage for probably at least 30% of those people. But a lot of them don't even know it yet. And so this is why it's important to like stay in contact with them. So yeah, um, that's what I would do. So that's just my thoughts. So let me know how that goes, brother. You know, if you decide to, I did a podcast with somebody just the other day and all of their first mortgages came from reaching out to 300 people that they knew. And they just were like, hey, it's like, you know what I'm doing? And they literally did like $10 million in mortgages just from wow. from doing that. So like, I think you're sitting on a gold mine, as they say. So absolutely. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for chatting with me, Cappy. I appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, keep crushing it, man. And congrats on the twins. Are you done? Thanks. Are you gonna have more kids now? Or what do you no, think? No, that's it. It's over. You're done. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can have a couple more. I'm just kidding. So where can people <laughs> find you online? At uh, capmortgages.net. Okay, awesome. Capmortgages.net. Cappy, say hi to Jason for me, and I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Will do. Have a great day. All right. Hopefully you picked up some nuggets from that conversation. A couple of quick things. One, again, I can't reinforce enough the importance of getting into some sort of a networking group, especially something structured like BNI. It is absolutely a game changer when you're starting. If you want to get some better tips on that, go back and listen to an episode I did with Nick Cox. He was competing against 18 other mortgage brokers for this massive BNI group, and he won it. He talks about how he did it, so go check that out. The second thing is, is that he touched on in this episode a bit, he was in our 10 Steps to 10 Million program. So that program was the genesis for the current Rookie to Rockstar program. So our Rookie to Rockstar program is designed specifically to help new agents find, convert, and fund mortgages faster than anywhere else. 
And one of the things that he had discovered is, is that, you know, he got leads. We can show you how to get leads, but if you don't know how to have a conversion conversation, which is the discovery call, the strategy call, then you will lose business. And so it's gotten very good at coaching on that particular topic. And then of course, on the funding support. So if you're interested in that, if you're new, go check out rookie to rockstar.ca. It's the first place to start. And thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.